Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. After more than 18 months and one cancellation, the return of tennis to Indian Wells is one week away. But there are still four tournaments spread across the globe this week before our coverage begins in the desert. Americans were in action in Chi-Town. Amanda Anasimova took on top seed Alina Svitolina, while Shelby Rogers looked to ride her U.S. Open hot streak against Bibi. And we preview the San Diego night session, including an American wild card facing this top seed. And just how long has Rafa been on top of his game? We'll tell you about yet another milestone for the king of clay. Hold on to your hats. TC Live starts right now. And welcome to a Wednesday edition of TC Live as we get you set for some more tennis out of San Diego. A doubleheader coming at us in just a little while. We are just up the road a little bit from San Diego here in Santa Monica and we get you set for the big night. Tonight on Tennis Channel Live, Indian Wells. The prep continues just up the road from San Diego. We'll tell you who's playing and who's not. Rafa's 6K day. Wondering what that means? We'll get you up to date on that a little later. And a wild card from the U.S. versus the top seed in San Diego. That's going to be the first match out of the gate tonight. Hey, everybody. Welcome into our studio here in Santa Monica. Rob Simulker here with Jimmy Arias and Tay-Tay, Taylor Townsend, back on set with us here. How's it going, your first week out of Tennis Show? You called a match today. How, how was it, your first time calling matches live? It was fun. Honestly, this is way harder than that. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, but um, it was really fun, and it was everything that I thought it was going to be. That's good to know. I mean, you guys, you've, you've played matches. Obviously, you've done a little TV. What's, Jimmy, what's harder, call, calling a match or playing a match? Or, or yeah, sitting well, here with look, me. For, sitting here with you is definitely the hardest. It's terrifying. I'll try not to take it's that terrifying personally. in many, many levels. <laughs> Playing is the next toughest thing, and, and then actually calling a match is kind of on the easier side. It's cake. You can let it breathe. No yeah. cameras to worry about. Exactly. So. All right, well, we got some big news as we get ready for Indian Wells. Unfortunately, the news is about who's not going to be going down to Indian Wells. That's right, number one in the world, Novak Djokovic. Announcing today he will not be making the trip back to the United States to play the fall edition of Indian Wells. And, you know, Jimmy, this is not shocking on a lot of levels. Obviously, he had the uber-emotional loss in the U.S. Open final. An incredibly busy year. A trip to Tokyo for the Olympics, not to mention all the, the matches he played in Grand Slams. And so uh, this, this probably doesn't come as a shock to too many people. What's your reaction? My reaction is that the U.S. Open took so much out of him emotionally on every level as a person, and he probably needs this break for quite some time. I feel like that U.S. Open final was something that, as great as he's been, one of the greatest players of all time, he couldn't handle that moment of going for a Grand Slam. He wants to be the greatest of all time. He's tied with those other two guys. There were so many things on the line. So many players have struggled with that. Serena has had some opportunities as well. And when he got down two sets to love 
I think he capitulated a little bit against Medvedev. He decided, you know what, I can't handle this emotionally any longer. You could see how nervous he was playing the matches. And the reason he cried, in my opinion, at the end of the match before it was over was because he capitulated, he got down for love, mm -hmm. started playing, and Medvedev actually got so tight trying to win a U.S. Open in a Grand Slam when he served for it, two double faults, a missed forehand. Djokovic holds, the crowd starts cheering. Djokovic, that's when he cried at 4-5 because I think he realized I could have won the U.S. Open, I could have won the Grand Slam had I just not capitulated that beginning of the third set. It was such an emotional day for him, and you got to figure some recovery is still needed. Definitely, mentally, emotionally, everything. I mean, he's done, had such an amazing year, and he's accomplished things that not any other player has done. And he's trying to get records and, and top Federer, which is a thing in itself. And how many years have Federer, Novak, and uh, Rafa competed against each other? So it's been this unbelievable rivalry that we've been amazed, like witnessing. So, I mean... He needs the rest. We all do. So Barbie as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And you look at what Djokovic accomplished this year, a year unlike too many others, of course, winning the first three Grand Slam titles of the year, denied the slam at the U.S. Open. And then don't forget the trip to Tokyo for the Olympics, losing to Zverev and then losing also the bronze medal match, which, you know, probably took a lot out of my. I do wonder sometimes, Jimmy, when you look at his year, if he had to do over again. Would he make that trip to Tokyo? Maybe not. I was surprised he made it when he made it, to be honest, because he knew the history of what was coming up at the U.S. Open. Why make that trip in the middle in between Wimbledon and the U.S. Open? So I was surprised he did it. Uh, kudos to him that he did try. And, you know, that might have been the, sort of the final blow to him not being able to possibly finish this year. It was so hot in Tokyo and all of that. And, you know, there's still a chance we could see him this year. The Tour Finals will be in Europe. So there's still a hope, at least, that we'll see Djokovic back on the court. Yeah, definitely. He plays very well indoors. So I think I agree with Jimmy that that Tokyo trip just took a lot out of him. He had played so many matches, and winning the French was a huge feat for him because we all are expecting Rafa to win. So for him to win the French was huge. And, and honestly, he never really plays well at the Olympics. He always has such added pressure because he wants to do so well for his country. But... I mean, he needs the rest, and hopefully we'll see him at the end of the year. Well, he will not be the only player we'll be missing at Indian Wells. Again, this is an unusual timing of the year for Indian Wells, normally in the spring, happening in the fall due to postponements with COVID. And you look at the list of players not playing Indian Wells, of course, Jimmy, a lot of these are just guys who have been injured for a while. Federer, Nadal, team, these are all guys we didn't see at the U.S. Open. And then you add to that on the women's side, Osaka, who did play the U.S. Open. Of course, Serena still recovering. And Ash Barty announcing earlier this week that she is going to take this off as well. Look, one thing that we learned from the U.S. Open is we don't necessarily need all the big names in tennis to have drama. So the U.S. Open this year, when the tournament started, everyone was saying the same thing. No Federer, no Nadal, no Serena. What a lousy major. And it turned out to be one of the most exciting majors. So I have a feeling Indian Wells will be just as exciting. Part of this turning of the page. Well, the last time Ash Barty played, she lost to Shelby Rogers, and Shelby Rogers was in action in Chicago today, taking on Bianca Andrescu, and Rogers continuing to play well. Yeah, I mean, she's continuing her run from the U.S. Open, and honestly, Shelby has gotten in the best shape of her life, which I think has helped her so much and given her a lot of confidence because she's always been such a great player and has been executing so well on her strategies. But she's just backing herself. She really believes in her game. She believes in her movement, and she knows that she can beat these top players, as she showed in the U.S. Open. 
And Bianca just really hasn't been the same as she was when she was in her 2019 form. But she's never going to give up. She's never going to not fight. But Shelby was just a little too strong today. And Bianca was trying to do everything that she could, but Shelby just had the answers for everything. And so Rogers here, second set after winning the first. And you can see that Shelby was just moving unbelievably and making yeah, Bianca press and hit too many shots and trying to do too much with the ball. So great win for Shelby, and she's going to continue this momentum. She looks great. What do you see as the difference? I mean, we talk a lot about fitness, her movement, but what, what has gotten her where she is the second half of this year? I think that's what it is because tennis is such a mental sport, but it's also one of the most physical sports. And for you to be able to trust that your body is going to last you three and a half hours in the most brutal conditions against the best players in the world, it gives you that confidence. And Shelby has always had a big game. She's always had a great forehand. She's always had a great serve. But now she's just really believing in herself and knowing that she can stay in these points and in these rallies, and she's not going to make the mistake, and she's proven it time and time again. Well, another player who's believing in herself right now is Jessie Pagula, the American, playing right about at the top career ranking of her, of her life, playing Andrea Petkovic. Yeah, I've been really impressed with Jess over the course of this year and how consistent she's been. She really hasn't dropped off since winning her title in D.C. And she's a good friend of mine. I'm so happy to see her doing well. But the biggest thing for Jess is the same, her fitness and conditioning and her movement. She's never really been the defensive type of player. She's always been very offensive. But her getting to those shots where she wouldn't have gotten to it maybe a year ago is something where she can say, hey, I can do this over and over and over again. So I'm really impressed with her. She's always been one of the best ball strikers that I've ever played against. She keeps the ball hard and deep and gives you fits from the baseline. So her coming to net is just another element that's impressive to me. All right, so Pagula advancing in straight sets. Alina Spinolina won in Chicago in August, taking on Amanda Anasovmo. Yeah, Spinolina top seed. She's been in the top ten now for 209 straight weeks, more than any other player staying in the top ten. So Spinolina very consistent playing. Hannah Samova, who has fallen off slightly from a couple of years ago, hasn't had a great year. She did play really well at the U.S. Open. Second round loss to Pliskova in a third set tiebreak. This match had some great shot making, but it was Svitolina that seemed to have the edge, had the answer. She defends a little bit better. And just a couple too many unforced errors from Anna Samova in the end, and it's a straight set win for Svitolina. So Spinalina liking the court in Chicago as she wins again. Other scores from Chicago, Victoria Azarenka had the battle here against Haley Baptiste, dropped the second set. She was down three love in the third set and then stormed to a 6-3 win in that third. Yeah, that was impressive, and Haley has shown us over the course of the summer that she's a great player. I just think that she needs the consistent matches, but... Azarenka is doing a great job, and she did a great job of fighting, and younger players always play those top players harder, so she did a great job. Jesse Pagula just talked about her. Another player, again, at her career high, ranking right now, gaining a lot of confidence, talked about how she played at the U.S. Open. Jimmy, what do you see in her game right now? What I see is confidence. She's moving well. She's always hit the ball, as Taylor was saying. She hits it hard, deep, flat, and it's always been strange to me when I hit with her because you don't even see racket head speed. 
but the ball shoots off of her racket. And what she's changed is she started to recognize when she hits that hard, deep ball, she can take a step forward and maybe start finishing points at the net. She's doing that beautifully, and she's been one of the most consistent players this year. Yeah, I think David Witt has done a great job with her as well, and, and she started working with him in D.C., and she won the title. But he's done a great job of kind of helping her implement coming to the net and kind of backing your ground strokes a little bit more. And she's, one, like I said, one of the best ball strikers. So naturally, that's the next you know, progression that she can make. So it's great to see her doing so well, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the year. All right, well, when we come back here on TC Live, we'll show you the men playing down in San Diego. Highlights from the day session, plus another milestone for this guy. As if he hasn't done enough in his career, we'll tell you the latest feat for Nadal when we come back. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Tennis.com is more than just a website, folks, as we get set for more action in San Diego. It's also your home for the entire sport. Get your breaking news, your real-time match scores, player profiles, and more in one place. Log on now at Tennis.com or download the Tennis app for all your devices. And, you know, if you're checking out Tennis.com today, you picked up a great article about Rafael Nadal and this unbelievable stat about his career. So, guys, today was his 6,000th day if you can say that fast, in the top 10. That's right, for 6,000 consecutive days, going back to 2005, Rafael Nadal has been in the top 10. And this is an incredible statistic when you think about it. There he is winning in Monte Carlo, I believe it is. Look at that face, by the way. Look, 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 at, look at how young he looks. And, Jimmy, I, I, it's hard to even fathom someone could pull this off. I actually think that was the Rome final. He beat Guillermo Coria in the final. And it's ridiculous, the career that he's had. And we're talking about 6,000 days in the top 10. I think 5,999 of them have been in the top two or three. I mean, he's the greatest, one of the greatest players of all time. And he's had a lot of injuries. To be able to yeah. stay in the top 10, missing chunks of the year is amazing. And this is what it was going on in 2005, right? Emma and Layla were two years old at the time. Coco Goff, Carlos Alcaraz were one. YouTube was two months old. Twitter didn't even exist yet. Jimmy, you weren't, you weren't even tweeting yet. Yeah you, yeah, you you had not had the opportunity. I didn't to tweet realize it yet, exists now. Which I so know you how do you like that? Do. But I mean, Taylor, th- th- this is simply incredible that someone. Now, what were you doing in 2005? Wearing Nadal's capris. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, the capris. I, right. Forgot about those. I was nine, but I mean, it's insane the career that he's had, and and he's one of my tennis idols. I've been enjoying watching him play, and I can't wait till he get, gets back. Jimmy, where, where were you in 2000? I was 11 years off the tour already. <laughs> I had a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old at home. I was taking them to their different sports and pretty sure that it would be easy for me to turn pro in golf because I had no respect for golfers until I tried to get good. And I now have been humbled Jimmy, on that you, side. Jimmy, you were only like 21. 
I, I quit very early. My dad, always said, my dad always told me I peaked at 12. I'm not kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of golf, San Diego's got some pretty good golf, and they're playing tennis down there this week. Let's take a look at what happened in the day session. Dan Evans and Kevin Anderson. And this was an absolute battle, as often Kevin Anderson matches are. He's six foot eight. He serves huge. He does return pretty well. And this first set went back and forth. Dan Evans is a great competitor as well. Nine all in the tie break here. Both players have numerous set points throughout. It went all the way to 12-11 before that forehand error. And Dan Evans is having a pretty solid year. He beat Djokovic. He's one of the few guys that beat Djokovic in Monte Carlo on clay, which was an absolute shocker. And here he is getting some good fortune. When you've been winning a lot of matches, good fortune seems to come your way. He saved that break point at five all and then gets himself to match point. And another oh. error from Anderson. Dan Evans gets through in straight sets. That was a very hard fought straight set win. Also in the day session, Hubert Hercotch going for his fourth title of the year. He's had himself a great year taking on Bolt. Yeah, I've been impressed with Hercotch. I mean, he won his first Masters 1000 event in Miami. And He's kind of continued that form. He had a little bit of a hiccup in the clay season, but he's redeemed himself in the heart. But I've been really impressed with his game. He has a great serve, great off the ground, and I see him kind of trying to get forward a little bit more. But my fellow lefty Bolt wasn't doing the serve and volley any justice there, but it's okay. We will leave that alone. But Hubert Hercosh has been doing a great job, and once again, that big serve is just setting him up for those easy points and easy rallies. So it's good to see him continuing his confidence. You look at the list of players who have won four titles this year, it's pretty impressive. Djokovic, Medvedev, Kaspar Ruud, Alexander Zverev, and Hercotch trying to join that list this year. I mean, he's having himself a year. He is. The difference with Hercotch is he can lose early in tournaments as well. It seems as though when he gets hot in a tournament, watch out. He's going to play great the whole tournament, maybe win it. But he can lose first round. He's a little vulnerable early. So got through the first round here. San Diego is a pretty tough draw, but... Watch out for him the rest of this week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, anyone is vulnerable in the first rounds, especially because, you know, you're nervous. You might not have matches under your belt. So you're trying to work out the kinks as you move through the event. So it's good to see him actually implementing the strategies that he's trying to do. And he looks very solid. I mean, him and Craig Boynton have been working really hard, and you see that it's showing. So I am impressed with him. And like you said, watch out. He could be a, a contender to win the tournament. All right, guys. Well, I am excited about this night session we got coming up in San Diego tonight. It should be a really good one. Brandon Nakashima, he took a wild card into this tournament. This is his first ever match against a top 20 player. He's playing the number one seed, Andre Rublev, and that will be followed by Harris and Schwartzman. We'll set you up for it when we come back on TC Live. The men playing in Sofia, Bulgaria, and James Duckworth playing some good tennis, taking on Emil Rusevori of Finland. Yeah, this is the best we've seen James Duckworth playing. He's become very aggressive, even though he didn't have to be particularly aggressive on that final point. He got a little bit of an unforced error, but it shows you just how important confidence is on this, at this level, and he's reaching now career highs, Duckworth, at an advanced age. He takes out Rusevori in three sets. A look at what's coming up. 
both in Kazakhstan and in Bulgaria, starting at 2 a.m. Eastern time. And look at the bottom of this board, some really good matchups. Duckworth gets Benoit Pair, Ilya Ivashka, who's been playing well, taking on Gael Monfils, and then the youngster, Yannick Sinner, taking on Igor Garasimov. Yeah, I'm excited about these matches. I love watching Yannick Sinner play, and I don't know Garatsimov, so that'll be interesting. It's always fun to see a player who you've never seen before. And we have the Frenchman Benoit Paire and Gail Monfils, who are always very entertaining to watch. But we always have to support our American Marcus Giron. He's been doing great, so I'm really excited for these matches. So many good players. Ditto, actually. I'm right, right with Taylor on all those. An incredible week yeah. of tennis we got going on here between the, the, the U.S. matches and then what's happening in Europe and Asia. For 250s, they're incredibly strong, the tournaments that we're seeing right now. I can understand San Diego because it's leading up to Indian mm-hmm. Wells. Sophia, I'm somewhat surprised yes. how strong that field is. It's impressive. Well, it's just such a different calendar really across the board, so you never know who's going to pop up where. Okay, let's take a look at our social net, and this should be a fun one today. Let's start with a French player you may not be familiar with, Corentin Moutet. A little trick Ooh. shot here on the first serve. Check this out. The toss behind his head is like a bicycle kick serve. <laughs> Didn't quite work though. Middle of the net. Yeah, that's awesome. I wish it's I could awesome do that. if it goes in. <laughs> if it goes in the middle of the net, it's not quite as awesome. Yeah, I, I guess we, I think a lot of this people is, could do it in miss. He's stealing a little Mansoor Barami, setting himself up for post tennis tour and doing <laughs> exhibitions. He needs to take a tip from that guy who always does like the trick serve with his racket and stuff. He needs to get some tips from him. All right. Well, <laughs> keep working on it. Keep working on it, Mr. Mute. We like the opportunity. We like the, the, the effort. We really like the effort. Okay. Have you guys ever played footy tennis? Not with a soccer ball and certainly never flipping on my back to do a scissor kick. <laughs> no. To, to, actually, tremendous shot, by the way. I can't believe that. That looks scary. No, that looks, that looks <laughs> painful. That would be the end of collarbone for me broken yeah no. these are some pro rugby players from france actually giving this a try so they know how to use their feet would, would this be useful in, in any way to warm up for a match taylor what, just really just for spectators here no i'm not even <laughs> gonna do it for them i need to save my body no, but you know what a lot of european tennis players do this they, do. they play mini tennis with the tennis ball in you know but i don't see them doing that that's just, that's it. Yeah, he's got to hurt himself. He yeah. really should stop. All right. And now we're going to go to selfie land. And this is Naomi Osaka getting herself a pretty cool picture. She visited the set of Sesame Street. So I guess we can expect to see her showing up there soon. And, of course, if you're not familiar, this is Elmo. So she's hanging <laughs> with Elmo, getting a pretty cool selfie in. And, you know, selfie's obviously a, a big part of our world here. And, you know, we, we happen to have someone sitting to my right right now who knows a little something about a good selfie. And Taylor, we, we know this is something you, you, you enjoy, a good selfie. Yeah, it's all about the angles, people. I'm giving you the tips. It's all about your angle. Find your angle, work your angle, okay? <laughs> Mine's high right, okay? I thought it was lighting. I thought it was lighting, but okay. It's all about the angle. Let's check out some of your, your selfie history here. Oh, wow. So this is pretty impressive. This is, uh, this is with Coco. Yeah, that uh, was Fed Cup. That was a lot of fun. Very cool shot that there. And then awesome. Here's one with a, a, a guy named Yaz, or, uh, this musician. <laughs> Why are you Yaz? guys pulling this? We, this is we've so we've embarrassing. Been your, <laughs> we even check it out your socials all day, pulling Wait, some of these shots. You're not getting the high right that oh you were talking Oh, my God. Well, about. no, I just discovered this within oh. the last, like, year. Okay. This, of course, Joe Wilford Sanga. Yeah, Where was, was this? That was at the French, and I made the third round after beating Cornet. So I guess he was, like, being nice to me. 
enough. So thanks, Joe, for that. That okay. was a lot of fun. And this is with uh, a, a oh. friend of yours you made named Keith. Who's Keith? You he guys. Is cute. We went, that was in Charleston. We went to the, um, the children's hospital and we did a little bit of work there. And that was a lot of fun, a very eye-opening experience and humbling experience. But you guys are killing me with these pictures. We're going to keep killing you <laughs> just a little more. Oh my God. And this, this oh has to take the cake. Pretty sweet with Venus and Serena. Where was this at? I think that's in Charleston. I don't remember, but it was some place party. <laughs> look, look at the you lighting. You can tell why you don't remember. Look at the look the at angle. the crowd. <laughs> look at the, you didn't quite have the angle there, but no. you, you know you had a shot to get Venus and Serena in a selfie. So you have to just pounce on that. I just had to take it. It didn't matter how I looked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure, by the way, if I had a selfie with Venus and Serena, I'd remember where that was, like for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, the sure stuff starts she, to run together at yeah. a point. I totally forgot about these pictures. So I'm actually mad at you guys for pulling those up. All right. Well, Jimmy, from your playing days, of course, there there were no selfies uh, at them no, because there, there, there were still no are phones. no selfies. <laughs> There's never going to be a selfie for me. But There's we no do angle. Have, there is no angle, like 300 do, yards. But there were candid photos back in those days, oh, no. and we did manage to go and find a couple of good nice. candid shots from your past. This is uh, this is the I got hit in a certain area right before hitting the shot, as you can see by the look <laughs> on my face. There is this, the pain sort of That was tongue. a Wimbledon, apparently. So you're just making sort of a, a little bit of a funny face as you reach I for this I always forehand. made a funny face when I was at this. Oh, my goodness. And that is BG. the one and only, exactly, yeah, Brad Gilbert. BG, I remember those days. We never practiced with a shirt on <laughs> in those days until I got a little older. <laughs> One of the academy coaches always called me Little Jimmy. And then the reason I'm not overweight now is because I'd retired. I was gained a couple of pounds. I took a shirt off. And he says, ooh, grande Jimmy. Oh. <laughs> yes. And I immediately put the shirt back on and started trying to lose it. I just want to know if you still have those rackets. I do have a couple. Yeah. I do have a couple. That was the, those were the good old days. It might have some magic in it. I want to know if you still have those shades with, with Brad Gilbert. Those that I don't. classic 80s <laughs> shades. All right. Well, glad to embarrass both of you. That was fun. When we come back, we'll set you up for a big night session in San Diego, including maybe some more selfies after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE on TC Live as we get you set for a doubleheader of night action in San Diego. But tomorrow in Chicago, the women will be back in action. And here's the lineup. Jesse Pagula taking on Jabour and Svitolina and Roos. And then I love this nightcap, Taylor. Victoria Azarenka and Gar- Garbine Muguruza. You're calling these matches. Looking forward to it. What do you like on this board? Yeah, I like all of them, honestly. Um, Azarenka Muguruza, who would have thought that would have been a third round in a, in a 500 event? But I'm looking forward to that because both of them have kind of been teetering with their confidence a little bit. So it's good to see. And I don't even know who this Roos, the Gabriella Roos is, but clearly she's playing some good tennis. Especially with the names you see in that draw, and Roos sort of the only one. Mm-hmm. Where'd that come from? Well, right. I feel. I'm sure she is thrilled to be there. All right, well, sure we will is. take a look at our hot shot of the day. And 
This is a great passion shot from Bianca Andreescu in a loss. Yeah, this was super impressive. I mean, Bianca's always been a shot maker. She's always been someone who just kind of grinds you out, but she's she has gotten in such great shape and has allowed her to be able to make these types of shots, but she's not even in frame. How can she make that angle? I don't know, but look at that scoop off of the shoelaces, but she didn't look too thrilled about it, but hey, yeah, that she deserved, still got shot of the day. That deserved a better reaction, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. She flicked it from the ground for an angle. That was impossible, and she just sort of went, oh big deal. Well, Might have been the scoreboard. Who she knows? got the That's CC true. shot of the day. So there we go. Absolutely. All right. Well, I want to look ahead to this night session in San Diego. And we start with Brandon Nakashima playing the first top 20 opponent of his life. The number one seed in this tournament, Andre Rublev. And Jimmy, to you here, we've watched Nakashima a lot this year. He's had a great second half of the year, a tournament win, a couple of wins over Isner, an upset in the first round. What do you think he needs to be competitive in a match against this, a player of this caliber? First thing I have to remind myself, because Taylor got me two days ago, <laughs> that he does have a weapon, and that is his <laughs> backhand that he can change directions with. He's so solid. That's why he's very good, Nakashima. He doesn't have a weakness. And this is an opportunity for him to see how that solid game stacks up against not just top 20. He's playing the number five ranked player in the world right now and a guy who's been very hot all year. So we're going to see if he has enough weapons, if that two-handed backhand that Taylor corrected me on, if it is a big enough weapon to cause some problems for Rublev. Yeah, I mean, Rublev is high on confidence. He's won so many matches and and titles, just to say the least. But, I mean, Nakashima, he does have a weapon. But the one thing I can say is that his forehand can break down a little bit. It's a little bit loopy. He can get a little bit late. So someone like Rublev who hits with a ton of spin, ton of RPMs, and the ball's coming at you fast, he could rush him off the forehand side. So I'm interested to see that strategy and, and how that works out. All right. Well, I can't wait to see what he can do there. And it's going to be, be a, really a career win for him as we wait for the players to take the court. But, I, you know, what do you think is success? If you're, if you're Nakashima's coach here, what's a successful outing here? That he wins. I don't think he's going to be a guy that cares if he gets close. I, I think he's a kid that's expecting himself at some point to be ranked five in the world, to be top ten. And this is a test for him to see if he's ready. And he's going to have a lot of crowd support. He is from the San Diego area, so he'll have the crowd behind him for sure. And uh, you've got to wonder what's going through his mind as he steps onto the court here to take on this top five player. Yeah, I'm excited for this match, but Brandon doesn't really show very many emotions. You never really know what's going on in the match from his face. So he's very even kill. His emotions don't get the best of him. So I like that about him, especially to have that type of composure at such a young age. Um, it's, it's great. So he's going to be playing every ball in this match. He's not going to be worried about who's on the other side of the net. And that's what I think he does very well. He kind of disassociates from who's on the other side. So I think this is going to be a great match, and, and hopefully he's able to dictate these points a little bit more than Rublev is. All right. Well, Nakashima, a member of this rising generation of young Americans, just turned 20 recently, so this is a chance for him to make a statement on his home court in San Diego. We'll get you to that match in just a minute, but that's it for TC Live. Can't wait to watch this one. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the matches in San Diego.